Welcome in, listeners, to another episode of the Busby Bay Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Dams, joined by just Nathan Heinchel today. Uh, we are a bit thin in the uh, squad depth of the Busby Bay Podcast, uh, which is fitting because Manchester United are a bit thin at several positions at the moment as well. See how I transitioned into the show opening there, Nathan? And Polly's not even here to criticize me for it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... You volunteered in the Slack chat to be the next striker for Manchester United anyway, so... Yeah. yeah. With yeah. your 6-2 privilege. That's right. Um, everyone who follows our social knows how tall I am now, so, you know, do with that information what you will. Nah, um, ladies, Colin Dance, <laughs> he's over 5'11". He doesn't even need to have a personality. Right, exactly. But he has a great one, as you can tell from listening to the podcast. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, so we're recording after uh, the Manchester United won Milan won uh, first leg result, um, and uh, vibes were pretty high going into it, Nathan, because we were on the back of a two 0 win against Manchester City, which was you know their first loss in God knows how long. Um, you know, not putting too much of a dent in their title hopes, obviously, but it was good to get one for us because we'd been very much lacking in the goals department. But uh, it did cost us a Marcus Rashford who probably would have done some work for us today uh, that we were very much missing both in the creative department and the goals, yeah, goal scoring department. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, as far... As I'm sure anybody who's listening can figure out already, this is going to be a vibes-only podcast. Um, <laughs> Polly's not here to do tactics, um, so I'll, I'll be here to be your chief uh, chief vibes raider, the XV. Um, as you've alluded to, the vibes were uh, pretty good coming in from the weekend. Um, I'm not going to lie to you; I expected <laughs> expected the worst on Sunday. I was playing golf instead of uh, watching the, most of that game. Um, <laughs> And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something that will frustrate me even more than watch Manchester United play Manchester City. I'm going to play golf. I should have worn my hiking boots because I, I was out of bounds most of the time. Anyway, um, no, the, the City game was really interesting because United it came out on the front foot. It was one of those um, kind of games where I don't want to say that City were switched off or even lackadaisical, but it was one of those – Things where, you know, we I think everybody knew going in, City were going to have the majority of the possession. And in recent weeks, that's not a situation that United have been in where they get to um, concede possession to the quote-unquote better possessing team and just catch them on the break. And so um, to a certain degree, maybe City was lulled into a little bit of a false sense of security simply because, as we know, United are probably – the best team right now in the league equipped to kind of attack them, you know, if they give up possession, I don't know where, um, with the likes of Marcus Rashford and Daniel James, like you have outlet passes, you can't, you know, play a ball that's too long for them. Um, and I mean, Zivchenko and Cancelo are pretty competent fullbacks, but I, I like our forwards a little bit better against them. And it was a situation where, you know, Martial really came to play as well. And it's unfortunate we don't give assist to guys who draw penalties because it was it was a good run by Martial. 
Uh, it was a really dumb defensive play by Gabriel Jesus. Like, I think the center backs had Martial pretty much taken care of, and Jesus is like, I'm going to go try and steal the ball and just kicks him in the back of the legs. But, you know. Yeah, there's a picture of Martial <laughs> in that moment right before, because Gabriel Jesus just kind of clatters into the back of him. Um, yeah. And, you know, he's, Martial's dribbled himself into a position where it's either win a penalty or give the ball away. And uh, luckily for him, uh, yeah, Gabriel Jesus did that job for him. So, um, (laughs) but even that moment, I mean, that was in the first minute, I think. I mean, that was the very, that was from the off. And then for about the first half hour, Manchester United kept up the high press pretty well. And it took a while for City to even break out of it and get some shots on Dean Henderson, which I'm not even sure. Uh, I think maybe a couple of them worried me, and then there was one that hit the post. But other than that, it didn't really seem like City were threatening. It seemed like United's defensive shape was holding up really nice. Yeah, and Luke Shaw was really, really on it in that game, too. Um, I mean, there was <laughs> there was one moment where Riyad Mahrez put Luke Shaw literally on his knees um, with, with a juke, but for the most part... It, it's amazing what our full our fullbacks do a really good job of canceling out their wingers um, when when they're like 100 percent focused they they seem like they're healthy they they've got you know fitness to them um, like Raheem Sterling just doesn't do anything against us and we were able to shut down Riyad Mahrez and um, it's just it's just so nice to watch I I, I love when that when it looks like they can't really make it happen that's when it really starts to feel pretty good. Um, but I, I really got to single out Luke Shaw. We've been talking about him a lot recently and I was just like, so excited for my thick King. Like he, <laughs> he really had a good game and then he put the exclamation point on it with that, with that goal. It was, um, he, he was able to find a spot right there in a dangerous position in the 18 and he's able to squeeze the ball in between the defenders as they're kind of merging onto him. And it's in a situation where, it had just enough pace on it and it was deceptive enough in the outlet that he took the shot that Ederson was just stuck standing there watching it go in. Yeah. I think everyone expected Rashford would be the one to shoot because he, uh, I mean, he takes the ball from his own half off of a great throw uh, outlet pass or outlet throw from Dean Henderson. uh, And then he pushes the ball forward himself. You know, they gave him some space and he took it uh, and he laid it into Rashford uh, who was to the left in the 18 and uh, there were a couple of defenders that got back pretty quick. And both of them, I think kind of shifted to Rashford, which when he played the ball back to Shaw, definitely gave him the room that he needed to shoot. And yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody, including myself was expecting that to happen, <laughs> even though uh, in the third or fourth minute, Shaw almost made it two nil, you know, I mean, it, it really could have been two nil within the first five to 10 minutes. Yeah. It, it goes to show you how important it is to just be in dangerous positions because the more you're in dangerous positions, the more you're going to have a chance to score from a dangerous position. I mean, it's like, it's really basic, basic math and and, and football. And, you know, you get Luke Shaw in a position, he puts it on a strong foot and he drags it right back across the goal from left to right. And, you know, Ederson just doesn't have a chance on it. And it's just wonderful. Glad to see him just have that overall complete performance. And, you know, if I was playing FIFA 21 as religiously as I played FIFA 20, you know, I'd be going after that Luke Shaw team of the week card right now. Cause it's looking pretty sweet. Yeah. I think it's an 86 rated, uh, 
uh, card, which is better than the Alex Tellas one I've got right now. Yeah. Uh, the 84 wants to watch, and he has not, um, you know, put in the work to get a higher-rated card, which means my ones to watch is probably going to be about the same as it was. And uh, store brand Luke Shaw. Yeah. Say it. <laughs> and uh, after today's performance, that's looking even more likely. <laughs> um, you know, after a weekend where we not only made Manchester City uncomfortable with our own chances, but uh, really forced them to try to find chances of their own. Uh, we come out looking very deflated on a Thursday night uh, and squeak out a 1-1 draw with AC Milan, which really could have ended any number of ways uh, because Milan had two goals that were ruled out for v- from VAR uh, in the first 20 minutes or so, and then we had two chances point-blank that were missed by uh, Harry Maguire and Daniel James, respectively. Although, to be, uh, I guess, a bit fair to Daniel James, he was a bit further from the goal than Harry Maguire was. Harry Maguire's chance had a .91 XG, which is ridiculous <laughs> that he was able to direct it onto the post. And then the post was, it bounced off the post and up over the goal and out of bounds. Yeah. I mean, people... People score goals that have lower XG than what Harry Maguire's miss had. Like, <laughs> it's so bad. It's it's so bad. It's so frustrating to watch that. Um, but I think if we want to start from the beginning, you know, it's just one of those things like Manchester United. Of course, in the same week, they can beat Manchester City, who, for all intent and purposes, are a favorite to potentially win the Champions League um, and an almost guarantee to win the Premier League. So we go and we beat them, and then we lay a stinker against AC Milan, who, for all intent and purposes, are, they're a good team. They're a good team in Serie A, but it's at Old Trafford. You'd like to think that we probably do better than what the scoreline suggests. And, you know, that, that first goal that got ruled out by AC Milan, yeah, he quote-unquote handled it, when the throw-in came to him and it kind of grazed off his arm and it probably put it, you know, in a better position to hit the volley. But either way, where was a defender? Like, VAR came in clutch. If, I think everybody thought that was a goal. And, I like, I was surprised yeah, I mean, when I saw the thing pop up and said VAR checking. I was like, for what? <laughs> and then we see yeah. the replay. It's like, oh, thank God. Because, um, yeah, I had- got to say, though, that's still, like, I think it's questionable whether even it hits his arm. I mean, if it does, it helps him control it, I guess. But it's not like crucial to controlling the ball there. Yeah. Well, and I mean, still just it, kind of brushes it. But I mean, I'll, I'll you know what? I'll take it. <laughs> it's a physics thing. If I want to pull out a cut reference, Auto Rocket was only able to pull out this one really, really crazy trick in rocket power because a tennis ball perfectly shot out from a lawnmower and hit him on the skate like the wheels of a skateboard. And then he spent the rest of the day trying to recreate the trick. He could never do it. Maybe that ball doesn't bounce perfectly to be volleyed off that guy's foot if it doesn't just slightly brush off his arm. There we go. So there we go. Rocket power reference. Nickelodeon. Here we go. <laughs> you probably out. watch it on Paramount Plus now. Yeah, so. there we go. <laughs> I guarantee uh, you will click on it and uh, you won't have the same troubles as if you try to click on a Manchester United game on Paramount or CBS Plus. Hate to see it. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, uh, of course there was the offside goal, but that one was very clearly offside. Yeah. Uh, and then Do we Manchester want to lament United. Harry Maguire now. Yeah, I mean, okay, so you said 
you know, most people have, like score goals that are less XG than like, that. Like, what I, was the XG on Diallo's goal versus? <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, Messi and Ronaldo each have like what seven hundred goals. Yeah. I I would bet at least two thirds of each of their goals has a lesser XG than 0.91. Like, like mean, Messi's goal yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just born out of pure frustration. God. Okay. Just like real quick sidebar. It is a Messi shame. Messi about it. It is a shame that that goal is going to be buried in such an embarrassing loss for that club. But, you know, they had it coming. Anyways, back to Manchester United. Yeah, the Ahmad Diallo goal definitely had a less XG. I can go look that up right now if you want to talk about both of them. I mean, the, the Diallo one especially was, I mean, it was the only good part of this match, really. Bruno's got to be so mad he should have a, had a brace of assists today. Like, two really good assists, too. Um, I mean, that wasn't exactly an easy flick on that he puts in the perfect position for Harry Maguire to put his big dumb foot out and just <laughs> guide it into the back of the net. Like, I don't know. I, I just don't even know what to say about it. Like, I, I know we make the joke that he's slab head and maybe he's like, well, he's not slab feet. So what did you think he was going to do? Put it in that? It's just like, I, I don't know. It's, it's yeah, just so, impossible to fathom. I. I mean, that was really, I I guess it was Bruno's only involvement, too, of the game, really, because he had to do so much work that was pushed out wide um, because Milan's midfield just absolutely pushed Matic and McTominay as far back as possible. There was no control in the center of the park at any point in this game for Manchester United. But, um, yeah, Ahmad Diallo's, the the probability on that goal was 33%. (laughs) Um, A third... Harry Maguire's yeah. miss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dan James's was 45%, the one that he missed uh, in the 72nd minute. So about 20 minutes after the Diallo goal, Milan had quite a bit of possession, um, created some chances. And, you know, they were playing like shit, too. I mean, just to be frank, uh, they were missing shots left and right that really, if they'd hit them with any sort of power and intention, probably would have gotten past Dean Henderson. Yeah. I mean, if I'm keeping it at 100, this really isn't a game that kept a lot of my attention. Um, I, I was watching it at the office, but um, just just the back and forth, it, it wasn't like Milan's best performance. I, I have watched a couple other games when I try, you know, I try and catch a couple Serie A games on ESPN Plus, and, you know, they're pretty solid. They, they've been a, a top team in the league. I believe they were in first place at one point. Like, for Europa League competition, they yeah. they they were our t- probably our toughest opponent that we we're going to potentially have to deal with, and so of course we got got them this early in the competition. Um, I I guess we shouldn't brush off before we I guess bitch about the finalities of everything that happened with this game. Um, that was an unreal goal from Ahmad Diallo to like start his account for Manchester United. I I. He's the fourth youngest United player to score, I believe, in Europe was the stat that I was reading behind George Best, Marcus Rashford, and Mason Greenwood. So he's in pretty solid company already. Um, yeah. And he's the youngest non-English player, I believe, is the other metric. Um, just starting off, it, I wonder what's happening on the training pitch um, between Ahmad and Bruno, that Bruno knew to pick them out because Bruno's play, they, they were obviously checking to make sure that it wasn't offsides. 
And when they do the freeze frame, Bruno's playing the ball when Ahmad takes his first step past the defender. And so he already knows that Ahmad's going to make this run. And he just perfectly glides this ball right into the center, far enough so that way the defender can't get in front of it, but not too far that Donnarumma can't get to it. And all Diallo has to do is do a 360 pirouette and kind of just nudge it and chip the keeper with his head. It's nuts. Like, he's yeah. 18 years old, and that's, like, an insane goal. I, I Just two things. I think the first one, um, you know, that's the kind of goal that made me wish there were fans there. Um, Can you imagine the stretch you know, after that? Yeah, I mean, it, the whole team celebrated with him, and he was kind of doing a little jog. He was obviously delighted that it happened. But Everybody at the Stratford end, if, yeah, if that happens, I mean, we probably take control of this game. I mean, that place will be lit after that. <laughs> That's an incredible debut goal. Um, and then the second thing, I, I think what you said about the training is probably very accurate. Um, because it seemed like Ahmad Diallo, for a little while, was going to have the same sort of maybe hype with no result that we gave Facundo Polistri, uh, who came in and immediately was very good with U23s. We got the rumors that he was, you know, training with the first team for a little while. He um, we spent the entire lead up to Christmas talking about when we were going to see him play. Yeah, right. And it's like after he started training with the first team, then we start hearing these loan rumors and he gets sent out to Alaves. So we're like, OK, maybe he wasn't ready uh, to make that jump. But it, I guess Ahmad Diallo was, you know, out of necessity or not, um, you know. He started training with the first team very quickly after some really good U23 performances, like Police Street. And then, um, you know, he gets his shot in the Europe League. And I th- did he come on in an FA Cup game, or am I mistaken? He, I think Statman Dave, after the goal was scored, came out and said that Amon's got a cumulative 43 minutes played with the first okay. team by the right. time he scores his first goal. Okay. So it, it wasn't, you know, uh, it, maybe it was the second leg against Sociedad as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's still very young and very new to this team. And it seems like, you know, the vibes are strong. Yeah. Well, and then um, several minutes later, you know, for for a hot second, it looks like United finally got their head out of their ass. And like, all right, let's try and beat this team handily here. Right. And there was a... There's a time where AC Milan had the ball deep in their in their half, and you see Amon come from the right side and start pressing all the way in the left wing. And part of that is then you're looking at like, well, you need Sun, please track back a little bit faster there. Like Mason Greenwood's kind of jogging to kind of be in that position, and Amon's kind of jogging. That's one of those things I think that Ollie probably coaches out of a young player because at the end of the day, we have to remember he is 18 years old and. It's not like he was playing a million minutes for Atlanta either. Like he was coming yeah. out and he was featuring for them, but he wasn't playing a ton. So he's still getting a lot of his first moments of first team football. And there's a lot to like. The vibes the vibes are good with uh the Ivorian Messi. So <laughs> yeah. but we won't hype him up too much, not yet. Yeah. And uh, you know, by the time we get to that Daniel James moment uh which started off of a really good you know piece of play by Mason Greenwood to find some space down the right you know beat a man and then get across uh you know laid across 
uh, AC Milan's goal that everyone missed, including Daniel James, who it was intended for. Um, yeah. It was a really nice one-two between Ahmad and, and Greenwood to get Greenwood into that space to yeah. be able to play that dangerous of a ball. And it's a one time like Daniel James can't, he's not fast enough for something. Yeah. And for a game too, where there was not much going on centrally and Anthony Martial's only chance was in the first half was one that he basically had to make himself, you know, controlling a powerful Alex Tellez cross and then following it. That was a hell um, of a hit by him. Yeah. Uh, it looked like he was on for one, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, he kind of faded, and I guess he left with an injury at halftime, which is what brought Ahmad on. But then, uh, shortly after the Dan James goal, or not goal, unfortunately, um, Solskjaer decides to make three substitutions uh, to bring off Bruno Fernandez, Aaron Wambasaka, and Daniel James, and bring on uh, Fred, Brandon Williams, and Luke Shaw. So... We have three left backs on the pitch, uh, one of them playing right back, and then another one playing left winger. Uh, and it was actually, I think it was Luke Shaw that played the furthest forward, uh, and Alex Tellas kind of stayed in that left back role. Um, and then, you know, Fred replacing Bruno, we just cede all control of the center of the pitch. And from then on, you know, we have some possession, but it, none of it is meaningful and none of it goes anywhere. It's just very directionless play from us and then holding on to a 1-0 lead which uh, did not last. Uh, and in the second minute of stoppage time, AC Milan score off of a set piece, you know, where we've seen that before. And uh, suddenly... Certainly not we, this season. Yeah. Suddenly we're going to the San Siro and we have to score. And also not let them score. Yeah. <laughs> or score, more the, score more than them at the San Siro. That's like what we have to yes. do now. So yes. shout outs to us for uh, planning that one out really well. Um, you know, that's when the vibes really start to go, like the XV is really starting to drop pretty hard. Like, I mean, it's GameStop stock right now. Yeah. It lasts about 20 minutes. It's from (laughs) the stoppage time, uh, McGuire chance to Dan James's chance. So our XV moment, uh, or our XV rise really is between like 0.91 at that point. Yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, it, after those substitutions, I mean, to a certain degree, like, again, it's an availability thing. And oh, no, I, I understand what Solskjaer is doing there. I mean, we, we've got a game on Sunday, and, you know, we got to win, and we don't have many players. Yeah. It, what, what's frustrating, though, like, I, I, I would be inclined to agree. Um, our, our fearless leader, uh, Brent Maxman, who I believe is trying to actually – drink until he forgets what what happens today based on one of his tweets that he put out before we started recording um there wasn't a lot of people that were available like we we had two goalkeepers on the bench so it's what's really a bummer is fred comes on for bruno and he's playing at the 10 so we're looking we're looking at a midfield of of matic who really looks gassed. McTominay and Fred, who are great against Manchester City when they don't have to have the ball and they just sit there and they press the shit out of you in the midfield. But once they have the ball, their brains kind of go, I don't know what to do anymore. Uh, Let me pass it to the other team so I don't have to have the ball anymore. Uh, That's not great um, because this game ended up finishing with a 51 to 49 possession ratio. Like, 
AC Milan was getting quite comfortable. And it was one of those things. I mean, we get to the last 10, 15 minutes. You're like, all right, when is the goal happening? Cause it, it was starting to just feel, uh, like destiny at that point. Cause we've watched this happen so many freaking times now. Mm-hmm. Um, and this deep, the defense is capable of leaking goals. Um, you take Juan Basaka, you put Brandon Williams in, who's not the strongest defender. You keep Tellas in there. Who's not the strongest defender. Um, and things get a little wild. Um, and of course on that set piece and the corner kick, man's finds himself wide open. And, like you want to give Dean Henderson some crap because you're, you can watch him in the replay up close and personal in slow motion. He's recognizing the balls coming directly at him. And then there's a hesitation with his hand before he tries to go. And so, I mean, if you really want to be a nit, you know, somebody who's picking, right. Yeah. You could be like Dean Anderson. How could you not save that? Granted, it's still within like 0.25 seconds that the ball's connecting with this dude's head and then going at Dean Henderson. So like I give him a pass for the reaction speed, despite my, my shitty tweet about, you know, does everybody still think that De Gea is finished now? Um, but again, it was the same problem with the goal that got taken off for AC Milan that the goal that put AC Milan, you know, ahead in the aggregate scoring. Where was the defenders on a free man on a set piece? Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Uh, so do you want to know the probability of Kier scoring <laughs> that goal there? Was it 0.33? It's, it's 7%. <laughs> So that's how bad we messed up on that corner kick. Only Harry Maguire was um, playing for AC Milan in the final three minutes. We've been fun. <laughs> that's a tweet. You should have sent that one off. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. I'm live tweeting right now with my mouth. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, uh, we go into this West Ham game, you know, with the second leg of this tie in mind. And we will likely have Rashford back for that one. Uh, we don't know about Sunday yet. Um, we don't know about Martial's injury. And I'm not sure what the timetable is for Pogba's return either. But God you know, that's knows. An, that's uh, an underrated soon. part about how crappy watching this AC Milan game was. Marcus Rashford was tweeting during it. That was That's what really hurt was. Yeah. I, I'm sitting there seeing Marcus Rashford's thoughts as this game's happening, and he's like trying to do some rah rah stuff, and I'm like, man, I really wish you were in this game right now. <laughs> right. And, I mean, Milan were missing like five players as well. Uh, you know, Rebic, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and um, missing all the itches. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Where are my itches at? Which, uh, you know, they may be back uh, next week as well. But I think you think it's they'll really buy just... Matic off of us because. Whew, That'd be nice. Um, but but yeah, like this, I think that just kind of accentuated, you know, how far both these teams have fallen since the last time we met in Europe. Well, there was that tweet today from the Busby Babes account. We was Kangs. <laughs> we was Kangs. How far we didn't fell. Um, yeah, feels bad, man. That's the yeah, vibes, uh, the vibes oh, analysis oh. for that. Yeah, it, 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 the, the quick look on, on the vibes analysis, it just it, it feels bad. Man. It just feels bad, man. Yeah. Well, and I feel so disconnected this year. Um, like we keep talking in our group chats, like leading up to when we're going to record for a pod. It's just like I haven't really been keeping up with as much this season as like I normally do, just because the way the pandemic has gone, my own work schedule with the, the soccer team I work for. It's like it's just crazy for me to keep up with what I've got going on in my own league and then and United's, but 
it's been so wonky. Like we were in first place like three weeks ago, four yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. It doesn't seem that long ago. <laughs> no, we, but, we really, we really fucked up. <laughs> I, I'm pretty excited that, for the season to be one, over yeah. at this point. Like I, I'm already thinking transfers. I'm like, dude, let's just lock it in. Let's finish second. And you know, let's, let's, let's pick up from there. Let's um, use that TikTok money. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, um, Going into this this Manchester United-West Ham game, let us not forget, when we played West Ham, Paul Pogba and Marcus Rashford both scored goals. We may not have either of those two individuals playing for us this weekend, and West Ham are good. Yeah, I'm thinking a McFred midfield uh, is probably going to be, um, you know, the use for us. And That's I what don't we have know. to do. I mean, do we who have, else do we put in? Yeah, do we have a clause with Jesse Lingard where he can't play against us? I would hope so. Well, because yeah, he's on loan, right? Yeah. Um, I swear to God, if, if Jesse good. Lingard could play and Millie rocked after he scored against us in Old Trafford, I'd, I'd, I'd quit watching. I'd, I just would have to give up. No you more. Know, it would suck, but I bet it would be super powerful in convincing West Ham fans that they should buy Jesse Lingard. Yeah. And well, that I mean, is something that I think could help Manchester United. <laughs> He's this great young academy talent. Um, you know, this hot new thing, this this 20 yeah. this 28-year-old thing onto the scene at 29 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Lugard's almost like as old as me. <laughs> he's he's yeah, he's not like he's exiting the prime right now. Um So, first order of business, don't give up a goal to Thomas Suchek. I think that's major key. We cannot give up a goal to Suchek. Um because that w- that was how that West game went, if anybody forgot. West Ham were up 1-0, starting in the 38th minute and up until the 65th minute when Paul Pogba scored. Um, West Ham is not going to give us another chance to kind of, like, spend 60 minutes trying to figure out what the hell we want to do. Um, they're playing confidently. They're playing well. They're organized. Um you know, Moyes is kind of back, which is not a thing that I think anybody expected to say. But, I mean, West Ham are fifth, and they keep – they're kind of in the same position that we are, where us and Leicester, based on who plays first, gets to take second or third place. West Ham's doing the same thing right now with fourth and fifth. You know, they're going to be hanging around for a while. Um, and if, if we're struggling to break down teams like AC Milan – with the current roster, if we're struggling to um, break teams down like Crystal Palace, we're going to struggle against West Ham on yep. Sunday. Um, this is this has got like 1-1 or 1-0 written all over it. Uh, and if it's 1-0, I think it's West Ham that wins, probably on a set piece, which is the worst part. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not feeling super confident about this one, uh, especially because of the injuries on our end. Uh, you know, the last time we played it, it wasn't just Paul Pogba, but, um, you know, we started that game, I think with, uh, Pogba either playing the 10 or playing in the pivot with, uh, Donny van de Beek ahead of him. And then we brought Bruno Fernandez on in like the 60th minute. And from then on, we controlled the game. So the thing is, we're not in that position anymore. (laughs) It's probably going to be McFred with, um, Bruno ahead of them. And, you know, we might see Diallo start. We could. 
We could see Diallo start, uh, depending on Cavani. Uh, I mean, if he's fit, he's probably playing, but he's missed being in the squad for the last two, for, uh, yeah, two or three games now. So that's well, not. Well, yeah, because he wants to go know. to Boca Juniors. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what his dad says. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a strong possibility we could see the same front three that we saw tonight, which uh, was not great. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I don't even know what to think anymore. Yeah. All I know is, um, and, and we talked about this the last time we pot it. Like, we're kind of in the in, in a patch right now of really, really big, important games that are going to define the season. I mean, nil nil against Chelsea, two uh, nil against City, one one against Milan, and then we've got West Ham on Sunday, Milan then on Thursday. Oh, by the way, Leicester City in the FA Cup quarterfinals next Sunday. Um, yeah. I'm not even going to say we have a break against Brighton because we'll probably get Brighton's best shot. And Graham Potter's actually a pretty good manager. Um, oh, and then April 10th, we're back in London to face Tottenham who may or may not have Harry Kane. Cause I think he went down with an injury right before we started, but yeah, I don't um, know. Man. Vibes are weird. Yeah. And there, there's an international break in there too. Uh, I think between the Leicester game in the FA cup and Brighton. So this is a really, you know, weird list of fixtures to look at uh, right now because our hopes at a trophy really depend on this next week. Yeah. There's a chance that by Brighton, we're just going to be depressed talking about let's finish second. No. Well, and like we said in the season preview pod, we said second place would be because it's technically is. It's, it is an improvement <laughs> over last season. We finished third. Um, you know, Chelsea's looking a little resurgent under Thomas Tuchel. Leicester's just been consistent all year. Um, we're having a lot of injuries all of a sudden after we weren't having injury problems. So we're finally having to deal with the same problem everybody else is dealing with. If we can hold steady and finish second, that's really encouraging. And, you know, the last thing I think we'll probably mention on the podcast today is there were some interesting new appointments and hires uh, that, that came out of nowhere when we were all asleep. Um yeah. I think so, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit in more detail probably around the international break because I think yeah. we'll have a better idea then as well of what the transfer window is going to look like. Yeah, we're going to have our shopping list articles that we'll uh, start <laughs> roundtabling. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I want Holland, Sancho, and Gio Reyna. Can we do a BOGO, like buy, buy two, get one free <laughs> with our several right. rewards card? So I did this on the pod when uh, Scams was a guest, uh, and I forgot what the value was, but hold on a second. But I talked about... I know Transfer Mark right now has Holland listed at only like $130 million, and there's no way Holland sells for anything less than 200 Yeah, so the um, the team value of Borussia Dortmund right now is $896 million U.S. dollars. So Why don't we just buy them? Glazers, sell the Buccaneers, buy Borussia Dortmund. Make them Manchester United Dortmund or Red Devils Dortmund, you know, whatever the Borussia hell. Borussia United. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, Borussia United, whatever. Borussia United. Whatever uh, Red Bull and Manchester City do to get away with having their clubs in other countries, do that with Dortmund. And then bring all their good players here, you know? It's, uh, it's simple as that. <laughs> I, I don't understand why it hasn't happened sooner, like <laughs> Ed Woodward, hit me up. Yeah. I'll Imagine I called up the Glazers. Yeah, I need $900 million. <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. Like, Tom Brady's old. You got your Super Bowl. 
Cut well, your window, their window is closing. <laughs> you yeah. got, you got to move on. You got to sell while the stock is high. Yeah, you got that. Um, can we sell Tom Brady to Borussia Dortmund? <laughs> like offer him in a swap deal. Oh, <laughs> uh, God bless those guys are going to be. They, you keep seeing these reports that Borussia Dortmund are going to have to sell some players because they really are in financial hell. Um, not because they overspend, but just because. They, you know, naturally everybody lost money and they're a smaller club and they have very, very sellable assets. But it's just like, yeah, they need to sell, but they're not going to like do it. They're not doing a clearance sale on um, the two, two of the three best young attacking talent in all of Europe. And then who I think might be probably the best American soccer player right now in Gio Reyna. So, yeah. Also, I, we've never been linked with Gio Reyna. That's me just trying to make it happen. <laughs> I'm trying to speak it into existence. That Duke can ball. And yeah. I don't know if you guys noticed today, but we need another creative midfielder besides Bruno Fernandez. Yeah. And, uh, you know, signs are pointing to it ain't Donnie. Um, but, yeah, I think um, I think that's going to do it for us on the podcast today. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll be back. I think Sunday I'm recording with Matt and whoever else is available after the West Ham game. So, uh, you know, keep a lookout for that one. Um, That's going to be a weird vibes podcast, man. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna, hopefully it's good vibes. Hopefully it is good vibes. Um, you know, fingers crossed. So, uh, yeah, I've been Colin. I've been Nathan. Of Vedersen.